Australia Productions, in association with Soul Drifter Studios and their affiliates, presents The Martian Broadcast. An audio drama based on the true story of the infamous 1938 radio broadcast that shook the nation with fear. This is Episode 1, Something for Children. Have you ever had a day at work that made you want to quit? I mean really quit. Tell off your boss, flip a table, and zip out of the office quit? Well, today is one of those days. But my office happens to be CBS Studios. And my boss is none other than Orson Welles. Aura, I need the hot air balloon sound effect now. I'm on the horn with Arthur about it. All right, Art, that sounds just fine, but we need that extra set. Orson, come give this a read. We stripped a line. It's near the laundry. See you soon. When is it going to get here? He's halfway across town, Orson. He's not Superman. Then we'll just have to wait. Wills, do you have the latest page for the second train scene? John Houseman, our producer extraordinaire and the yin to Wells' gang. Orson? What? The train scene? Paul's handling that. Orson, if we wait for Arthur, we lose rehearsal time. Let me just work on the other effects and come back to it. No. The show lives and dies by the damn hot air balloon. We have to believe they're flying around the world in 80 days, not limping along for a few months. For Christ's sake, trust her. When has she ever done less than stellar? Let's get a move on. That's Koch. He's the one who writes these scripts every week. He's smart, but he gave up a law career to be here, so (laughs) not too smart. Watch your nose, Koch. Looking a few shades darker. Did General Custer move when challenged? And how did that work out for him? I forget. Well, we are using him as an example here, aren't we? I'd say fairly well. Wasn't he shot by some Indians? Small price to pay for immortality. He's still dead. And I still don't have my sound aura. As soon as my husband can leap tall buildings, I'll call you. Until then, I'm getting a cigarette. Need anything, boys? I need a show to put on. Oh, do you? Go buy a pulp from the corner then, you wet sock. Every week I fight for a better show than the last, and each time we deliver. The machine is not broken, but if you believe that to be true, I present the door. This isn't Broadway, Orson. Enough theatrics. No one said it was broken. We're all just being worked like dogs. Even you. Dogs know how to follow commands. Obey a master. Sit. Stay. Roll over. Give me my damn sound effect. And CBS holds our leash. Do we not listen to their every demand? Am I the only person that remembers that we act as Sisyphus, pushing CBS's boulder? Monday, we begin brand new, forced into Davidson Taylor's box of pick these stories or give us more this. Then on Tuesday, we scramble for ideas until the early hours of the morning. Wednesday, Howard gives us a script of half-finished dribble. Thursday, we fine-tune it until palatable or row until it's perfect. Friday, we work sounds with Aura and Arthur. And Saturday, we rehearse till we collapse. Sunday is show day. Each week, same time, same channel, same Mercury Theater on the air. It's only half past three, Orson. We've got five hours. And I'm late for my date. I'll let you boys cool off. (sighs) Some people live for Friday nights. I live for Sunday nights. 
when the show's over and I can have a few drinks before dreading the next one. Well, Sundays are when the big push happens for us here. Eight o'clock every week, we're on. And every week, it gets hotter than a steam room thanks to Orson. If his ego takes up any more space, they're going to start charging him rent. Today is the final bit of time we have to make any last-minute changes. So, of course, that's when he shows up to rewrite the entire show. You don't mind if I smoke, do you? Thanks. Oh, how rude of me. You want one? Yeah, you're smarter than I for passing. Ugh, if you'd have told me back in 28, when I was still trying vaudeville, that I'd be working under some wealth that's been called a genius more times than I've been paid, I'd have laughed in your face. Four months. <laughs> it's been on the air for four months. And it's not my only show, you know. I'm on March of Time, Buck Rogers. But where do you think I spend most of my week? The Mercury Theater on the air. Why? Because I asked for the gig. Hey, pass me that pace bucket, will ya? Whenever the man gets too insufferable to be around, I have to remember that he comes from here. The actual Mercury Theater, with an R-E at the end. <laughs> Afternoon, Tommy. Afternoon, Mrs. Nichols. Gonna be a good one tonight? Depends. You a fan of train wrecks? Why do you think I work at the Mercury Theater? That's our specialty. Oh, come on. You were close with too much Johnson. Close? Orson busted the budget so bad, we had to scrap it all. <laughs> Anyone inside? Nah, it's empty. You hear that? That's one of my favorite sounds. Typically, if you find yourself in a theater like this, silence is not a good sign. But if you're like me, you know this isn't silence. It's potential. So much of our time in this life is spent working, tweaking, perfecting that potential. And it's not for the pay, Lord knows, or the credit or the applause. Oh, well, sure, the applause is nice, but it's just sound. And that sound means something different to everyone. Speaking of sound, I, I do owe Orson something. I saw him here once. Couldn't have been more than ten people in the house. Sunday matinee. But the power, the love for what he was doing. Well, that's what got me on his show. I asked to be a player in the Mercury Theater on the air. I don't think many others would. Speak of the devil. The sound, Nora. It seems to have arrived even without me. Arrived too late, considering its value. 
Typewriter isn't any use to a monkey unless you show them how to use it. Does that sound like we're several hundred feet in the air, adventuring through exotic lands, all in the pursuit of glory? Because to me, it sounds like a dime store steamer at best. Orson Welles. Pick that up immediately. What was that? Pick it up. Or I will walk out of this room and take the steamer with me. The next time you feel like throwing a tantrum, remember, it's the morons of the world that get angry at the things they don't understand. Yes, the steamer is a dud by itself, but I add a bowl and a piece of cloth to the mix and... The sound works, Orson. We've got a lot of other things to worry about. Thank you, Aura. Don't mention it, John. Evening all. How are we doing tonight, Aura? Same as last week, Mr. Taylor. Seen Wells anywhere? In the sound booth. Thanks. I probably shouldn't have done that. That's Davidson Taylor, the CBS exec in charge of the show. He's a suit, and this close to showtime, the last thing we need is suits. John! Orson! Why are you here? Why is he here? Play nice. I've been looking for you all over. And you found us. Now it's your turn to hide, and we'll count to 100. Uh, What can we do for you, Mr. Taylor? I was in my office, and I had an idea for a joke you might want to try tonight. John, could you handle this? Ah, well, I'd love to hear it. Follow me, and we'll see if we can put it in. Right this way. People think Houseman is the nice one. But if he were louder, he'd be just as bad as Orson. Genius and all. Like I said, yin and yang. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta say... Not a bad show. Not bad at all. Tie your knots, Taylor. It was great. Oh, come off it, Orson. You already know it's great. So what good is me telling you? He likes to be pet. Houseman, sit. So, Mr. Taylor, what is CBS interested in this time? With Halloween around the corner, maybe something spooky for the kids. Spooky for the kids? You know, uh, goblins and ghouls. Goblins. And ghouls. Anyone for a topper? Whatever you come up with, I'm sure we'll be fine. Thanks, Miss Aura. An empty glass? For me? Oh, he shouldn't have. Really, what am I, the Mercury Theater maid? Nonsense. You'd be paid better. Goblins and ghouls? We could do Poe. Everyone does Poe. Frankenstein. The most terrifying thing of that is seeing the creature. We need something... Else, something they could hear. Ah. Cute, but not scary. It has to be something they've never heard before. Well, if they haven't heard it, how will we? It would be foreign. Or alien. And he was never heard from again. Is he heading up to the roof? Wells? Wells? 
we did Frankenstein, he'd be the man and the monster. Isn't he already? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to grab a smoke. Want one? Oh, I'm all right. One vice at a time. Better be back when they come down. Or what? They'll fire me? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, those two lovebirds can't afford to fire anyone. They're not willing to fire each other. I was never interested in making it a triangle, but I was always curious how they work together. Anyone who says women are difficult has never met a male artist. Ego and stubbornness. Jekyll and Hyde. Wells and Houseman. No matter how you pour it, it all tastes the same. If you're going to jump, may I suggest aiming for the alley? It's easier to clean. Very funny. I have it, John. It? The Halloween show. Look up there. I don't see a script in the stars, Orson. Look further. Are you feeling all right? I was joking about jumping before, but maybe we should step back inside. What lies out beyond the stars? Oh, God. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Aliens. Aliens? Yes. Now I know you've lost it. Come on, back inside. The other day I read some popcorn pulp. There were no ghouls, no goblins, nothing meant for kids. It was a real story of survival from an alien invasion. From where? Mars. You're kidding. (laughs) That sounds like one of those comic books. Aliens? Fine. Class it up. We'll call them extraterrestrials. And what is CBS going to say when I inform them we're intending to fill their air with, what did you call it, popcorn pulp? Whatever you want to tell them. Orson, you can't keep using me as your negotiator. It's more than that. I... Listen, John, and listen well, because it pains me to say this. You are better at this than I am. Now you're trying to butter me up. Is it working? I didn't say stop. You have a gift for this, and you know it. That is how this works, our secret. I trust your gifts, and you trust mine. Trust me now. This will be the best show the Mercury Theater ever puts on. You said that about Around the World. And it was. And this will be better. How so? Because I say it will. I don't doubt it. But this isn't the Orson Welles Theater. Not yet. I think everyone should get a say-so, don't you? See, you're diplomatic. That's why I like you working with the button-ups. After you. (sighs) I'm beat. Can you just drop off the notes tomorrow, Anne? If I have to stay and suffer while cleaning after each show, so do you. You're too impressionable. Stop hanging around Aura so much. Oh, and I'm sure you'd rather she hang around you. The ring on my finger and the kids nipping at my heels say no. Plus, I'm not her type. Hey, don't sell yourself short. You don't know my type. Anne works for Koch. Well, actually, she works for Houseman, but she's more valuable helping Koch. When the next show is picked... Those two scurry off and whack their heads against a wall until they've got a script. Then you-know-who waltzes in and tells them it's got to change, but they're the ones that get the ball rolling. Think I have time for one last drink? 
Attention all. Damn. Sorry to have kept you, but this is worth it. We had to go three blocks to a bookstore that was closed in order to find a copy. I paid double for it, didn't I? I paid for half. I gotta get at least some sleep tonight, fellas. What's the show? See for yourself. Oh, God. Really? This doesn't look like Halloween. It's not. It's about aliens. Please, people, one at a time. Aliens. Extraterrestrials. Yes. I'm not interested in little green men, Wells. Hot air travel? I can do. Things from beyond the stars? That's a stretch. Look, call me when you come up with a better idea. There is no better idea. This is the only idea. Koch, hear him out. Who knows, maybe Little Green Men will do a song and dance number in this one. Look, it's late and I have over five hours until I need to be at my next engagement, so let's skip the theatrics and get down to it, shall we? If I don't like it, John's buying the bottle that'll carry us through the script. Deal? Deal. All right. So what's it about? It's about a battle of man versus the alien. The foreign. The unknown. A soldier story. No. You're losing me. Struggle. Huh? Survival. And the uncertainty of it all. Hmm? How do we convey that? Who are our characters? Ah, the extraterrestrials. And? And what? And who else? I'm not sure. So you pitch a half-baked idea and expect us to follow through? Well, if you have something better, shouldn't you be the one speaking? I don't believe this. I do. This is why we're here, to discuss how we should approach it. I've got an idea. What do you have for us, my dear? One thing I notice with every script is that they're always the same. The radio drama feels like a play. Because it is one. But what if you try to tell it in a different way? How so? Well, uh, like books. There's first and third person. First person story? Wouldn't there be no one else in the show? Lighter script work. And gives us time to focus on one thing and one thing only. I don't think people will be interested in hearing one person recount an extraterrestrial invasion. I don't think people will be interested in hearing about extraterrestrials, period. It's your job to make them interested, isn't it? I can't guarantee anything better than what I've done. But you're going to try at least, aren't you? Don't have much of a choice. Do it or don't. Try don't earn me rye. Call me in the morning with some ideas, Orson. I'm curious, but right now I'm tired. Orson, ignore him. He's just up past his bedtime. As we all are. I think we should call it a night. Wonderful work in there tonight, Annie. You filled her shoes wonderfully. (laughs) Thanks. It's my pleasure. I help where I can. Well, I'll see you all sometime this week, right? Right. Good night, Annie. Great work. Another for the CBS books. Some book. John, can I ask you something? Hmm? How long do you think he can keep this up? Orson? He doesn't know how to stop. You don't worry? Who has the time? I guess when you're that young. Speaking of time, I better be off. Gonna wish me the same goodbye you gave Annie? Feeling jealous, Aura? 
Jealous of her youth, maybe. Not of your attention. Just ease up. Don't play with the players too much. <laughs> Care to share a cab? Well, what will the tabloids say? Those fake rags, come off it. I'm good. Art's on his way. You really think the book is any good? Of course. Maybe I should have gone with him. See where he disappears off to late at night. But that would ruin the mystery. And that's half the fun. What you reading? Oh, uh, just a novel. Yeah? What's it about? I don't know. I'm just now getting to it. All right. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, not at all. Would you like me to read you some? Sure. Radio's been busted since I picked this thing up. No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that this world was being watched. Keenly. And closely, by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own, that as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Sounds like a science textbook. At most... Terrestrial men fancied there might be other men upon Mars, perhaps inferior to themselves and ready to welcome a missionary enterprise. Yet, across the gulf of space, minds that are to our minds as ours are to those of the beasts that perish, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. You should be an actor or something. That was really good. Men from Mars. That's a page-turner. What's that book called? War of the Worlds. Swell. Now get a copy. <sighs> Make sure to look in the children's section. Thank you for listening to The Martian Broadcast, an audio drama production brought to you by Pralia Productions, Soul Drifter Studios, and their affiliates. Directed by S. Christian Rowe. Written by S. Christian Rowe and Jordan Stidham. Starring Ari Stidham as Orson Welles, Keaton Talmadge as Aura Nichols, Jim Brannigan as John Houseman, Oscar Jordan as Davidson Taylor, Courtney Reese as Ann Froelich, Christopher Hodge as Howard Koch, and Rama Valori as Paul Stewart. Produced by Casey Hammonds, Daniel Patton, Jordan Stidham, and S. Christian Rowe. Music composition by J.D. O'Day. Sound editing by Jason Crow. Hi, everybody. This is Jordan Stidham. And Christian Rowe, creators of The Martian Broadcast. We just want to say thank you so much for listening. Yeah, that was episode one, and we are so thrilled to bring it to you. But we couldn't have done it without some help of some very generous people. People like... C.T. Moeller... Amanda Lauer, the Creative Fund by Backer Kit, Susan Rowe, Miranda Karen Feely, and Lori Schwartz. 
If you didn't hear your name, don't worry. Stay tuned. It's a coming. We really want to just thank you again for listening. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts so you can stay up to date on when we drop new episodes or content. You can also find us on social media, on our Instagram or our Twitter page, at Martian Broadcast, at M-A-R-T-I-A-N-B-R-D-C-S-T. Please also make sure to rate, share, and one more time, just thanks again for listening. Without you, none of this would be possible.